Welcome to another episode of the Marvel Guys Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and on my left is my co-host that you haven't heard from in quite a while, but we are back. Spencer, what's, what's going up? on? Dude, this feels weird now. I know. It's been a while since we've done this. We've been coming to you live for for, for, for a, a little month. Yeah, about a month. About a month. We're, uh, what, five movies into the Infinity Saga? Uh, four, four or five, something like that. Yeah, I think four. Sounds right. Two Captain or one Captain America, two Iron Man, and one Hulk. Hulk. Yep. And Captain Marvel. We have a Hulk. So, oh, we did. Yeah, we, we watched did. Captain Marvel yeah. as well. It's five. Five. Okay. Nice. So we're five movies, six weeks in. No, seven weeks because mm-hmm. we had Halloween off, and then one when I was um, upstate. Okay, cool. So we we've got um we've got our Infinity Saga Saturday fun happening. Mm-hmm. But I am back in town full time, so we get to go back to doing regular podcast episodes. Everybody cheer. Yay. All right. So what's really exciting about this is we came back with a real topic. We're not just filling open air here. We have a review of the Eternals. So what that means is if you have not seen the Eternals, and you do not want to hear any spoilers. Yeah. Shut this off. Get in the car. Check your app. Whatever you got to do. Go see the Eternals. If you don't want to see the Eternals, you, you just want to hear if it was good and um, get some spoilers because that's how you operate. Hey, so be it. I don't understand you. you. Yeah. I can't. I can't vibe with that. No. But I know people that's that are that way, and that's just how it's going to be. I suppose I can't talk you out of it. So. I'm sure by now everybody that uh, have not watched it that that wants to has not watched it that wants to. I'm already I'm out of practice here. Uh, yeah, yeah, is gone. So welcome to the secret uh, clubhouse <clears throat> with with us. <laughs> yeah, now the cool kids. Yeah, so <laughs> pick last, you know. Yeah, in class. So let's do this thing. The Eternals. It was well. Let's start. Let's start here. Okay. Kind of like the movie started with some words mm-hmm. to help us uh, paint the picture. Yeah. Let's paint the picture. Okay. What was it announced? Maybe two, three years ago that yeah. the Eternals was coming to the MCU? Yeah, 2019. I think. A lot of people were like, who? What? What? Right. Who's the Eternals? And that was, uh, that was where we started from. So it went from, okay... What's this all about? Let's let's see. To okay, the first trailer comes out. Everybody's like, "This looks cool." What the heck is it about? They didn't give us anything in this trailer. Oh, the first trailer was the first bad. trailer was just was all bad. over the place. Yeah, I didn't like the first. And trailer. let's not skip over this. We see Kumail coming out on like oh yeah TV shows and stuff and photo shoots, and he's all ripped, and we're like, oh my god. And then we you know we get all the casting news and. Like, oh my god, we got we got some big stars in this movie. How are they gonna put it all together? And then mm-hmm. we start approaching the actual film. We get a more in depth trailer. We go, Wow, we're getting into some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. The actual content of this movie. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the early reviews. And we start hearing there's representation going on in this movie. 
that maybe we haven't seen in Marvel before. Yeah. Uh, there's some not so great reviews coming out early on. Is this thing going to flop? What What is going to happen? And then we get to the super critic reviews and we see a bit of a pushback from certain countries based on what's in the movie. And then you're like, what is going on? What's happening in this movie? Mm-hmm. Then that leads us to us walking into AMC. Yeah. Sitting down and Star Wars starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you saw the 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 words, what what did you think? I think Star the whole, Wars. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> yeah, the like, whole theater, theater was, like, was like, what is a Star Wars? Why are we reading something? Yeah. And I immediately thought of somebody who said on Facebook, uh, I, I think it might have been Devin, like uh, a lot of people didn't like how um, – much there was to like learn i guess early on yeah you know, like oh you started with three paragraphs nobody in america likes three paragraphs of reading at the yeah. beginning of their movie yeah which is telling of about americans but um yeah it's like i don't know um so if i was canadian i'd challenge you to a pillow fight right now oh my gosh yeah we're oh. <laughs> out of context that makes no sense out of context that makes zero sense but uh, we're not going to fill him in on it. We're just going to leave him there. Um, <laughs> uh, we we kind of talked about this going into the movie. like, And, and it's kind of weird. But my whole uh, mentality going into watching a Marvel movie is my expectations are always low. And I do this for specific reasons. Honestly, it's because I just want to be open to whatever they're going to give me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have these expectations because I feel like in all honesty, when it comes to entertainment, there shouldn't be expectations. You should just be there to be entertained. Like someone's written a movie or whatever, and they're presenting it to you. You are now supposed to kind of be open to what they're doing. And so I always keep my expectations low or at least leveled. Uh, unless it's like a big movie, you know, like an Infinity War, an Endgame, something like that, because there's just so much speculation and, and you're a fan of the, the franchise and you're like really sinking your teeth into everything. So, um, yeah, I, I had like lower expectations. I didn't really, I didn't put any stock into any of the reviews, nothing like that. Like I, I heard all about it. You know, I heard like, oh, this, this movie's not that good and it sucks and all these other reviews coming in out and like you know our friend Devin that we've had on the podcast several times was like oh it's different you know and I was like that it was you know but I didn't I don't know I, I, I don't let any of that stuff affect me going into the movie so like when we sat down to watch the movie I was like all right it's game time like you know I'm here to be entertained entertain me you know what I mean? It's, uh, and I, I personally had a blast with it. It was a good movie. I loved it. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. Um, when it, when it first started and I saw those words, I was like, yeah, <clears throat> what are we doing here? This is interesting. Cause that's one thing that like, I know Star Wars does it, but like, you don't want to do that. You know, like, that's their thing to start a movie. Yeah. What is it? I mean, what is the the most simple thing that a writer will tell you when you start writing as a, a young kid? 
it's show don't tell you know yes but a no i would give some pushback on that actually because why did star wars even start with the paragraphs and stuff like that it's because no one knew what star wars was yeah. so you're like you're literally you've got to you've got to ease people into this how do you do that you kind of explain some stuff to them you you, you set the boundaries for what this world is that you're now going to explore. Oh yeah. With the Eternals, this is so different in comparison to everything else that we've experienced in Marvel that it's almost like you're entering a different world. Like you this is this is different. This is a lot different. And there was a lot of speculation about the Eternals too because it's like, man, these if they're so powerful, that's what everybody was asking. Was if they're so powerful, where were they during Infinity War and Endgame? Like, why weren't they trying to, like, actively stop Thanos and all this stuff? Which kind of got explained in the in the final trailer a little bit. But, like, it's still, like, technically, it's still world building in a sense. So, for me, I didn't have any kind of problems with the, the paragraphs in the beginning of the, in the movie. Because I'm like, man, you know what? Like, this is... And I kind of went in with that expectation, too. That this was going to be different than anything else we've seen in Marvel. Um, which isn't entirely true. It is definitely different, but it's not like, to me, it wasn't like drastically different than anything we've ever seen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't really have too big of a problem with it because I just felt like it's, it's kind of like world building in a way. And yeah. Sometimes sure. you got to start like that. I, I liked it. Um, yeah. the thing is when I was referencing that's, that's not usually what you're trying to do. Mm hmm my ultimate point there is there's sometimes where you have to. Yeah. When you start a play or a musical, somebody, uh, you hear a voice. It's the narrator. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that paragraph becomes the narrator. Mm -hmm. And where am I starting? What scene am I setting up? You know, and that's really important. So I think what I was thinking when I saw that was we're, we're, we're in a different place. Um, and it made me realize we can't say it was good. It was different. They're all different now. Yeah. We're in a, we're completely, if you said is like WandaVision, it was different. Yeah, it was. Oh, of course. Very different. Yeah. Even Falcon and Winter Soldier, while it kept some of the themes and the styles of the Captain America series, it, the story and, and the focus very completely different. different. Yeah. Everything's different now. It, the, what worked then does not work now. We, we watch the, and this is partly why we're doing this. We watched uh, the Iron Man. Uh, it, you couldn't make that now, you know, like you could, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't sell like it did back then because it was just a different time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really it's, it's been 13 years since, you know, it, this thing started. Yeah. So all these movies are going to get different and, and more different because when you compare a Black Panther to uh, a first Avenger, it's romanticized that the first Avenger, it's very good, mm -hmm. but it's also like no contest between certain aspects of the movie. You Absolutely. know, Black Panther just accelerated. They were able to do more things. Mm -hmm. So going into all these new movies, I'm just like, I know it's going to be different. And that's just part of the growing process here. So it's exciting. And when I saw that, I thought, well, yeah, instantly I thought Star Wars. And I started yeah. humming the, the theme music for Star Wars. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't even reading. The, the, 
I wasn't reading it because I was so busy like joking yeah. to myself about Star Wars. I caught up along the way. I'm I'm a fairly quick reader when it comes to that. I just struggle to take in the information, you know, as so mm. it's present in my mind. Mm. Um, but then it, it it jumps into uh you know a, a certain time period, and while I enjoyed the movie, there are some things that I I. I guess empathize with when people uh, air their grievances. Mm-hmm. One thing was that it jumped around an awful lot, and anytime you do that, like it worked with Infinity War, because we were very much aware of all these characters and everything that was going on. Like the yeah, like, like we already being, knew. Yeah, with them being split, but then it, yeah. With Eternals, there's so much jumping around and so many characters that we didn't even know yet. And we didn't know the creatures. We didn't know the story that I can see some people kind of getting lost at first. That was the first thing that I was like, okay, I mostly get it. I don't know. But I can see a lot of people coming in that don't have a comic background and don't know what a deviant really is or um, why are they in this certain time period now and what's going on and who, who's this. So I can see where people maybe got off track a little bit, uh, early on. Are people's attention spans that broken though? That's wild. Cause I don't think they did a, I don't, I thought they did a great job of being able to traverse the time periods while also keeping your attention on what's going on. Cause I feel like every time they changed time periods, there was some kind of thing that was relevant to the story that you had to like pay attention to. And they kept your attention to it. Like it wasn't like you had to pay attention to it. They were overtly like, this is what's going on. This is why we've changed time periods or whatever. So I don't know. I felt like <sighs> maybe, maybe it's just me, man. <laughs> well, you know you're coming I mean? from like, it with, with a lot of <clears throat> fill in the blank knowledge which it's going to be hard for you to relate to the guy that's like trying to keep up yeah. with all the little stuff. Yeah. Cause even me, I was, there was moments in this, in the first hour where I was like, wait, what is that? Why, why is, why is this happening? I was just a little bit behind. Yeah. And I was catching up, but there were moments where I was like, I gotta, I gotta think this through while like watching this scene. Mm. And it was like taking notes in a class where you can't understand the teacher, so you're just reading what he's writing, and his back is in front of you. So, <laughs> um, and I, coming from someone who really, really enjoyed the movie, and one thing I loved is how they set the scene, showing their powers. Yes, right away we get you know full extension of the powers. We get the assemblance of all the the heroes. Um, we slowly got to kind of know their names and their powers through their interactions, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing them line up and seeing the speed and the strength and the flying and you know the, everything going on was just fun. That's that's one of those things. Like it, it. Anytime you get a really cool action sequence, you're like, that's that's fun. That's why we're here. You know, the storylines are great, but at the end of the day, they all lead to a conflict. Mm-hmm. And this conflict was a battle between these people with powers that we've never really seen before um, in the MCU against these deviants, which represent kind of a an animal force that we haven't quite seen before. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun right away. Is like, hey, welcome to this new world where everybody's got really specific powers and also 
they were you know some of them aren't like the traditional marvel here's how they obtained a power and this is how physics makes it work like icarus yeah. is just floating <clears throat> off the ground and you know there was some dc uh magic in there yeah and so it was very interesting it was, you were seeing a lot of firsts and different things and, and all put together in the same scene yeah it was very uh it was just so fun like early on like just like you said when you start heavy like that and you just like showcase i felt like that's what it was it was just showing the audience okay this is who they are this is their powers because you can't i feel like with a movie like this you can't spend too much time explaining stuff like that you know what i mean it's 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 very there's like a suspension of belief in in a lot of the in the things that are going on like with icarus and stuff like that like you can't you kind of have to use that cheat code of like well he's an eternal that's created by a celestial so like that's why he can fly <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not like right. <clears throat> there's no grounding that takes place with these characters uh which they don't need to be in in in, in reality yeah. i think the grounding actually comes from the internal feelings that they have which is awesome um you know, I felt like the uh, the the love aspect that we get introduced into pretty early on with Icarus and Cersei is like like you really feel that you know, like you actually kind of feel it kind of happening, and it's uh it's it's a it's a different take because I feel like in most love scenarios that we've had in the MCU, it's very grounded, it's very human, it's very but here we're seeing these otherworldly beings experiencing these human emotions and stuff like that that you wouldn't really expect so it kind of reminded me of uh will smith and uh charlize theron in hancock yeah the characters that like can't separate or they need to separate but they like also are always drawn to each other Mm -hmm. um just like eternal life together semi-eternal i guess it's hard to, you know, we'll yeah. get into that, but um, it's like permanent marker. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll stay there forever, but, you know. Yeah. Not forever. <laughs> <clears throat> um, well, it's a relationship anyways. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in a relationship with somebody, like, you're always going to, you know, you'll always, like, think of them at some point. You know what I mean? Like, not maybe right. not on the forefront of your brain, but, like, Well, but at if some you point, die... In yeah. seventy years, you die in seventy years. These guys right. are like These guys signed are up for life. not eternity <clears throat> because we find out later that they're like just rehashed. But yes, you know, you may be together for five thousand, <clears throat> ten thousand, fifteen thousand, four thousand, or forty thousand. I don't know years. Yeah. So it, it is a well. Let's just get into that because that's an important part of this whole like framing of like how their lives work. Is uh. You know, we get into some scenes with like Arisham and Ajax mm-hmm. and it's like there's this mission that they're technically on and they've been assigned to by uh, Arisham and it's like you kind of get the sense like this is where I was coming from with the movie because of the final trailer. The final trailer really acted to me as a spoiler because I feel like uh, yeah. it was early on that like Ajax is like dead and i was like wait she didn't have that moment with uh with icarus and i was thinking like 
oh, that's going to be like a flashback scene. And that's probably going to be where they set up Icarus turning. And I was like thinking like, okay, well, this mission is obviously not like this isn't (laughs) this isn't real. Like something's going on here that's not being told yet. And, you know, we learn later that the entire mission of the Eternals is to uh, keep deviants off of the Earth or subdue them and kind of protect Earth enough to birth a celestial from this Protect this the population to yeah. draw its energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, which means not interfering with their relations with each other, like wars that are going on and stuff like that, conflicts that are human. Right. And um, so, once again, Thanos and all that stuff, like you're not going to see them intervene, which is also kind of strange to me, but we'll, we'll get into that a little later. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes against <clears> their... <throat> Yeah. Policy. <laughs> yeah, it does. Definitely. If, if the whole reason is you need a lot of people. people yeah. Just he wipe just wiped out half, half of the energy <laughs> source. Yeah. Um, and I guess we can get a little bit into like it, they they got after watching this movie, whether you knew or not beforehand, you get a, a good understanding of the birth of a celestial and how this, you know, thing works with Eternals. So, I mean, the, the thing that happens with planets is they will the celestials will seed the planet with life and then they over time will come back and you know play with the the world and set it off in different avenues mm-hmm. and then eventually they come back and they judge it and they say are you worthy of even continuing are you not worthy of continuing and we'll start over wipe the planet out get new life in there but when they came back to judge Earth, they decided to put a put a baby in it. Yeah. <laughs> they they put a celestial egg in it, which is like a rare thing. Yeah. So it it's interesting um that they chose Earth as this wonderful booming population. Why do you think they chose Earth? Is do you have an inkling, a feeling as to why like it became? Is it because the writers? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah. But is there something about Earth that you may think would draw a Celestial to want to think it's a a bountiful planet for uh, combustion? Um. Well, when you think of like real life scenarios, like Earth, literally. Like, our life on Earth is so complex and interesting how Earth has kind of changed over time because of us and how we've changed over time because of Earth. Like, so there is, like, this, uh, there's this different level of, like, uh, I don't even know how to say, but, like, it's just a perfect, like, breeding ground for life for anything really so when you look at other planets in our solar system and stuff like that like there's so many different things that are kind of holding it back holding each planet back from being something other than what it is and earth is just this like very malleable type of planet where like things evolve over time due to what's going on on this planet and life just kind of continues to move like 
you, you don't really see that on other planets. I mean, you kind of do, but it's like on a microscopic level. It's not on the level that it is here. Like we're, <laughs> in all honesty, we shouldn't be here, but we are. So like, I feel like maybe that's, you could look at it like that, but I think it's just more like writers, you know, like of course it would be earth. Right. Like what other planet could it possibly be? Every, you know, everything, happens, everything here. happens here. So, and it's just because we're on earth, you know what I mean? Like, if there were other planets we could travel to that had human life on them or something similar to human life, then you're like, yeah, sure. Comic books would take place on different planets and stuff like that. But when we do that with comic books, it's like this weird thing because it's like, what the heck is this planet? You have to explain it all and all this other stuff. So yeah, earth totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. And that slowly became the main storyline because you know, that, the I mean, fighting between the Eternals, like it's real and it would be, it would affect earth a little bit, but like there was nothing, nothing truly like heartbreaking going on in the storyline because we had just gotten to know these people. There was nothing really at stake so much until, Oh, every, everything in the MCU we've grown to know <laughs> and love is about to be destroyed by yeah. the birth of this celestial. So that became like the ultimate, like every time we get a new movie, the stakes raise. Yes. And Thanos wiping out half of the Earth, all of a sudden looks very small compared to <laughs> nobody Everything. on the Earth will survive. Yeah. And take away nobody, nothing on the Earth will survive. Nothing. And when you put it in that perspective too, my my thoughts were this. Okay, if a celestial is born and it explodes the Earth like it does. The entire galaxy's erased. Like this entire universe is done. So, um, like it, it's so much bigger than even that too. Like that's it's 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 insane how. And I mean, we talked about the scaling of everything and like how much crazy, like how crazy that was. Like, but um, yeah, this was just. I'm glad you said that too because like yes absolutely every movie that we're going into the stakes raise a little bit and um, so let's get into this as well uh, Arisham how did you how did you feel about the portrayal of Arisham and it was just so cool yeah um, the only thing is something they, they couldn't do anything about it was I, I wish the voice was just more round and booming yeah now, to be fair, I didn't see it in IMAX, so it might have been that way in some IMAX theaters, but um, I thought they did a great job of capturing the presence. You're not going to get an accurate size. No. It's impossible. Um, but just the vibe, the feeling, the idea that if you were an ant and you walked up to a dinosaur or... A, that's very vague, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a Bronchiosaurus or something, and you landed on its nose, you wouldn't know whether you're on its nose or the end of its tail. Yeah. And you don't in the picture until you zoom out uh, in Eternals. And so when it takes you a while to figure out what exactly you're looking at and then you realize it's a celestial, you're like, that works. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I I was pleased. Um, it, It was... It had life too, mm-hmm. like it's it's very mechanical, 
because it's this big robot looking dude, but it, it gave it life. It gave it a feeling, a vibe of, of having conscience. Um, whereas like, uh, in Thor, when, when old boy is like just shooting laser beams or fire beams out of its face, like that, that looks like a robot right there. Right. You know, that's robotic. This one was like, oh, there's somebody like, like, like it little, has a little Dexter's in his like seat yeah, operating yeah, this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the laboratory. And, uh, it was so much fun. I mean, see, every time it came on the screen, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. We've never seen this before. So it right. gave me a little jolt of energy every time we saw him. Yeah. I, I, I loved the portrayal of, of the Celestials in this because of the the scale and and everything and like i said before this movie i truly felt like this could be like a test run of how they could do galactus in the mcu because i truly feel like as as big as the celestials are for the stories going forward galactus is that much more important um and i mean for people that really don't know of galactus i mean you gotta there's so many things to take into play when you're just when you're trying to portray just how big of a threat he is like if you if you're just now coming off from watching the eternals and you're like oh my gosh the celestials must be extremely powerful and they are i mean they create life they create galaxies and and all this other stuff galactus literally consumes one (laughs) like he just says all right that's it you're done (laughs) And consumes one. Um, for those that know about the X Men movies, and you know about how strong Jean Grey is in the in the X Men movies, like Galactus consumes the Phoenix Force. Huh. So like, he is immensely powerful. So like, it's I, I truly did feel like this could be a, some sort of test run for Marvel to see. Okay, can we do like a massive scale character? Because you knew that they had to bring the Celestials in at some point. Because, you know, Kevin Feige years ago even said, like, the next big thing for Marvel is in space. The next big thing is going forward. The, the, the stories that will be told will be told in space. So you kind of had this understanding that, like, yeah, the Celestials are definitely coming. But this is also, like, can we do Galactus proper? Because the only other time we've ever seen him in a movie form was, like, this really bad storm cloud. Yeah, I went back <laughs> so, and watched that because I didn't... I didn't... I didn't watch that movie initially, and I was like, "What? What's going on?" It's yeah, so stupid. so stupid, incredibly stupid. This purple storm clouds. Yeah, and and you see like a hand, but yeah. like that's it, and it's like not even scaled that well, and it's kind of weird. Right, I don't know. It, it wasn't like <clears throat> the size of the Earth or anything. It was just no, like a really big hand. But like, I I loved the way that they did this in this movie. Like, it, it felt intimidating. It felt. Like every bit, like like you just said, like you you don't know what you're really looking at the first time you see it, and then it scales out, it pans out, and you're like, oh my gosh! Yeah, you just saw like red and orange. Yeah. And you're like, what is that? And you know he's yeah. in the movie because you've seen him in the previews. But even then, you're like, yeah, what? Where are they? And then he zooms out. And you're like, oh my god! And to even make this thing even seem even more strange and abstract is the only other time we've seen in a celestial in the MCU, it was standing on like a planet or something like that. So it looks right, smaller. Like flashback. Yeah. It looks sm- a lot smaller than what was scaled in front of us in this movie. So like, Oh, it was so big. It was, he was massive, massive. Well, and the best portrayal of Galactus in media 
was Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, that's that was insane. Much better than Fantastic Four. It was, yeah, that was horrible. Even the Fantastic Four cartoon was like kind of weird, and he was like much smaller than he should have been. But whatever. Uh so yeah. I mean, we're we're definitely I feel like gearing towards that uh kind of thing. But like, I definitely felt like the scaling was was definitely appropriate. And when we get to the end of the movie, and we're seeing the celestial being like birthed like and you realize that that's its fingertips like that's that's just the fingertips that's ridiculous man it's insane how massive this thing is uh yeah they did it justice Um, absolutely and they left room like it kind of seemed like it was a different size every time we saw it because you can't really quantify it yeah um it's just so big and you you got the idea that oh there's nothing you can do to stop this mm-hmm. nothing literally and i guess the only thing is if the one thing they had which is the gauntlet with all five um stones and don't have it anymore so yeah so good luck um and somebody who knows how to operate it right but yeah it, it was fascinating to see the celestials play out in real life we got to see it now and uh Boy, Kevin Feige, you better slow down. He's getting pretty high up in the power. Yeah, uh, we're, we're getting in power scaling chart, and yeah. there's only so many rungs left. You know, like <laughs> yeah, he's got to get the brakes here. We're in like year twelve or thirteen. Yeah, and uh, he's got like thirty years to go. I would assume in, uh, in his eyes, you know, yeah. he's, he's gonna want to do this the rest of his life, and make money from it. So, but uh, yeah, there's there's a decent ways to go, but not as not as long as you think once you get into the celestials. So. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Before we go from here, before we get into like too much more, I did want to like talk about representation in this movie because I felt like oh, that that was kind of where we were gonna go next is like storyline and uh, yeah, actually like some of the things that people have been talking about. Yeah, this um, this was spectacular. Well, I have my first comment on the whole like representation thing was that the the gay kiss thing. Mm-hmm. What? The, that was the lamest kiss I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Like, people <laughs> cared about it. It looked like two people who did not want to yeah. be near each other. Yeah. And were forced to kiss at a summer camp. Yeah. I was like, that was the big deal. I thought it was gonna be like some makeout thing. Yeah. Based on what I'd heard, and and uh, Cersei was making out with two different guys. Two guys. Yeah. And right. having you know relations on a beach, basically. Which um, is insane because that's like gotta be like the first. I, it is. It is the first sex scene, right? Yeah, that we've ever had in MCU. Like, there's been innuendos. Yeah, of it, but I think like, that, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gotta be it. Uh, I can't yeah. think of any other. The only other thing would be Stark and and the reporter, I suppose. Yeah, but which yeah, was that, just talked that was about. Pretty much it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I representation's important, obviously. Um. I think there is like a an argument to be made that they went like almost making up for so much that they didn't have all this time. They just said just dump it all in the Eternals. You know, <laughs> it was almost like yeah, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like um, but you know, it if it's in any movie, it's just it's so just not a big deal mm-hmm. um to portray <laughs> it. However, it, it does mean a lot to a lot of people. So I'm I'm cool with whatever. It absolutely it it absolutely means a lot to people and like even for me like I'm not 
I, I'm not tied into any of these things that are being represented, you know, in Marvel right now. But like, I kind of felt like a sense of pride, like, you know, like you've got like uh, a gay couple in the MCU. You now have, uh, you know, a deaf character, uh, which we haven't had. Um, and she was so cool. She was absolutely one of the coolest characters in the Eternals. And that was just so awesome that she's like, there's just so much inclusion now. Um, and I think we talked about it on a live stream too. Like there's a lot more female characters in these movies that are powerful now. Um, so seeing, you know, Athena, uh, and her arc, um, that was just it was spectacular, man. I loved it. Uh, I loved seeing all of these different things. Uh, the sex scene caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what the heck is going on? But, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It's cool. I mean, we're getting to that age anyways. You know what I mean? Like we're already, we're already here. So it's like, whatever, you know, they have love for each other. It's a totally natural thing. It's nothing to be, you know, shied away it, it from. It's just, uh, <clears throat> I, I was intrigued because they wanted to put that in for a reason. So I'm, all I could think of was why. And so why they would put a sex scene in there. Well, why did they feel like they needed to? Um, and my my only... I mean, I, there's two things I would think is they wanted to show an actual human love between the two because yeah. other than that, they look so robotic in their love because they're, they're... I mean, imagine... They're not human. Well, not yeah. even that. Like You look at a grandparents that have been married for 50 years. They're often... Most of their love is like just roasting each other you right, know? right it doesn't right. look like passionate love necessarily yeah they've been together for five thousand years <laughs> they just yeah. kind of look at each other in passing is how you would imagine but then they gave us like oh no they had a honeymoon phase like yeah it was real and later on we find out that they are basically robots in a way um mm -hmm. this odd thing but um I guess that's why they wanted to show you. No, this was like a real visceral reaction to being on this planet together. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was just that that made sense. But also, I'm like, why would they? Why now? Why would they put that in there? But I, 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 I get I'm, that if that's the reason. I suppose I got a good reason. I think for for why why now and why this movie in particular. And I think it's because of something that we see in post credit scene. And uh, the implications going forward from that, because, yeah, I think that's, I don't want to say it's only the beginning, because I don't want to make it seem like every Marvel movie now is going to have some sort of sex scene, because it's not, but like, it is kind of important, I think, going forward. Um, and I think, obviously, it's like this little possible throwaway scene, because, oh, it's just a sex scene. But no, I, I I do think that there's a little bit more to it potentially. So, uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We're still in the uh, story of this movie. Um, but yeah, the inclusion, the inclusion stuff was, I don't know, it was very uh, heartwarming for me. I, I loved it. I loved seeing the different representations. Yeah, it was it was all over the place. Um, 
and my like the rational side of my brain is like how in the world did you just randomly get a bunch of eternals and you got all this (laughs) yeah you got the indian dude you got the the black gay guy you got the deaf mixed you know yeah girl like they had they had everything and then but then later on again we keep coming back to it these are like it's like westworld he's just like pumping these yeah flesh robots based on what he wants them to be they have the little kid with like the peter pan complex um or the reverse peter pan complex i guess it it was it's fascinating that um all this time we were like oh my god look at all these different types of people and then it, it turns out we'll talk about that because i don't know how i feel about that still but yeah it was interesting and and it was fun because like the whether you liked it or not like they they went like ahead in time and showed that they were literally just like humans that didn't grow up like they just started living their lives Mm -hmm. and would maybe fall for somebody date them and then probably escape the relationship before they have to tell them that they're eternal um or you know uh was it kengi what was his name kingo kingo god dude there's, there's so many names in this movie i can't keep track of any of it um he had uh he became an actor five generations yeah. of himself or something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah of acting prowess and he he would say that it was his great great grandfather and grandfather and everything which by the way the comedy in this was pretty good I yeah it, it was it was funny um i, love I, this I never understand guy. why they need feel the need to make the comedian always be funny though it's like all of his scenes were comedy. Yeah. Give him a little bit of an edge, you know, just a, just a little bit. I mean, yeah. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Maybe he did that too. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it was it was cool to see all of them and their, like, their real um, personas just kind of with their own personalities. And that was ultimately what um, Ajax wanted for them was, you know, there's going to be a time where I have to break this news to them and – this isn't going to be fun. So go have fun mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. So we got to see some, some real life, um, uh, interests and personalities from all these people. And that gave us an, an insight into who they really are. Yeah. And I, and I think that kind of tells the story for Ajax for me too, is like, she knew all this time what this was all leading to. She didn't want to tell them. So she was just like, I just want to let them live, let them see what's going on in the world let them be themselves and when the time comes you know i'll have to break the news to them but you know and and i thought that that was kind of cool too because she was like we'll come back together and we'll reconvene and we'll tell the stories of like what what we saw what we experienced over the course of five thousand years you know i thought that was so cool but um it also just showed that like she knew what was up and I think maybe she had this idea of like she wanted to change this course but ultimately her loyalty to Erisham kind of kept her from that and you know we see later on with her and uh, Icarus that it was like very evident to me at least that she was like she wanted to change the course of of what was happening but she just didn't know how to do it so it was like she was kind of very conflicted and she just didn't have the means she had the means she just didn't know how to do it 
it was it was very confusing but like i don't know i i I kind of liked that that story process it's like she doesn't want to she doesn't want to lay this all out because she understands the conflicts between all the eternals because when we're going through time and stuff like that it's telling this story of them evolving and them evolving with the humans and how their human interactions are working but also the interactions with each other you see Athena having horrible like meltdowns because of her memories coming back to her which we'll get to that too but like her memories coming back to her from past lives and stuff like that and then you have the conflict with like Druig and like him saying like I can control all the minds on the planet I can keep them from being at war with each other and killing each other you know but she's telling him he can't and like so there's this like almost expectation from her as to like okay well if I lay this out for them and I tell all of them at the same time that like yeah this is what your purpose is then there's going to be some kind of you know response to that that's negative and then we won't be able to work together to you know have this common goal this common enemy which you can look at that how you want to but I I think that that's a kind of cool cool different different approach to the story for me she was a great leader um everybody hates the team captain everybody Mm -hmm. hates the commissioner it's hard it's hard to be the liaison to you know like if you're the person in the locker room that reports to the coach um in in a good way and like a representation of the rest of the team kind of a way you have a responsibility to both sides Mm -hmm. and it can become conflicting and she had a responsibility to Arisham, and she had a responsibility to her team. They're kind of like a black ops unit, you know? And yeah. she was the point man, point woman, whatever you want to call it. And she knew what she had to do. She knew the mission. And along the way, she noticed that there's something special here. And though the, pl- the plan is to get rid of all these people, I, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Yeah. And over time, Icarus's loyalty to Arisham uh, was greater than his loyalty to her. And he ended up killing her in, in a way. He, he forced her death. Um, mm-hmm. That one dude say, uh, the guy had a meeting with God. He just set up the appointment. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that That's a good one. Um, yeah, and, and he tossed her off the, the ice and onto the, the floor with lots of uh, deviants, deviants. In particular, to, with Crow. Yeah, ready so, to snatch her up. And yeah. uh, <laughs> just thinking of what's his name? Snatch your <laughs> kids up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, she, couldn't, uh, she couldn't survive it. And, and he just gently placed her down uh, near her little farmhouse i guess you'd call yeah. it yeah and then uh yeah, no. while while trying to cover up the scene like nobody's gonna know i was here all of a sudden burst energy out of his eyes and yeah lights everything on fire well, and i'm like what are you it's like a it, it was an emotion like it was, it's, it was, it was an, an emotion it was weird but it was definitely like you can sense that like he didn't want to have to do that you know what i mean like that's the whole con like conflicting thing with Icarus is that like he is ultimately like a villain of this movie but like 
he doesn't really want to be, you know, and he's so conflicted with like the human side of things and also being loyal to his creator that he just doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. And like, he doesn't want to either. Like he, he, he doesn't want things to be so complex. So it's like this very, and I think for most people, it's going to be hard to relate to that. But like, uh, yeah, it's totally like, uh, it's, it's, it's just raw emotion. Like it's tough. It's very tough. And, um, but yeah, we see, we see Crow and he's a really, he's a good villain. I feel like, cause like we, we don't get the, like if he would have absorbed Thena, there would have been no stopping him. I feel like, like he's just that, that's insane. That's an insane power. Anytime that you're absorbing powers of other people, that's a cheat code. That's a cheat code. <laughs> that's like uh rock, paper, scissors, absorb power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I win. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the, uh, oh, it's the Adam Sandler movie. The little big daddy is <laughs> like, I win. <laughs> What's the name of this game? I win. <laughs> yeah, rock paper scissors gun wait what yeah yeah shoot the rock comes back and hits you in the face yeah. right ricochet right exactly. uh but yeah um he was a pretty uh, they didn't really get into a lot of the deviant stuff which is fine because it's explained to me like it's explained that arisham creates the deviants too and they had the purpose basically of the eternals but they evolved that was so necessary because i'll be honest the deviants confused me for most of the movie and then when they were explained i was like oh yeah that makes sense yeah but for a while in the trailers and and i'm like well thanos has a deviant gene like what does this really mean and then I, i got it i get it now yeah so the deviants evolve um and then when he creates the eternals he removes that evolutionary trait out of their gene pool so to say so uh which is kind of confusing in a way because the eternals ultimately do evolve they just evolve in a different way so maybe it was just like a staving off of like you know them evolving too rapidly but um yeah uh crow was pretty cool I i liked the scenes that had him in it i liked that they noticed right off the bat like oh this one's healing himself like what the heck is that uh and then we see the ajax dead and all that other stuff did you did you have an idea that she was dead when you saw him healing himself yeah i had an idea of that being the possibility because like you know we at that point in time we really hadn't been explained as to like how the deviants really work at that point in time but it's like oh he's healing himself that's what ajax did huh like maybe ajax dead (laughs) so uh yeah but he man i gotta say too when we get to that scene with like gilgamesh and he's like go there oh my god dude we can bounce around this movie is really long and there's a lot of things to talk about so i'm not gonna remember in order if we had a tv show i could go back and watch it i can't i can't like take notes in this one you're right you're not gonna bring a notebook with you to the theater i'm not a great host of movies because it's hard to remember things but i Uh, do my best with tv shows the the scene with gilgamesh made me cry man i'm I'm gonna be straight up forward because i forgot it 
yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be. I remember the the number of letters and the start of the G. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be straight up honest with you, man. I cried at that scene. Wait, which one? Where he died? Yeah, because like it, it wasn't that he died. Like that didn't draw an emotion from me. It was Angelina Jolie's acting in that scene that made me cry the most. Because like, all right, her. If you are listening to this and you're like wanting to know the spoilers or whatever, so like. Oh, the Athena, yeah, yeah, but like the Athena, yeah, but the Athena character is her oh. whole story is that her, we understand that the Eternals' memories are like basically locked in this room in a in a weird, uh, it's like a different brain. planet, upper yeah. brain type thing. We kind of saw this in Captain Marvel, uh, where like memories are kept and memories are saved, uh, throughout like life, but um. So her issue is that her memories are actually still connected to her. So like she'll randomly get those memories brought back to her and she'll try to kill everyone and including the Eternals. So like her and Gilgamesh developed this relationship because he's the one that's like trying to check her and make sure and keep her alive and keep her from, you know, going off the deep end and trying to kill everybody. And he does a great job at it because for, you know, however many years it was like nothing ever happened and they're both safe and then he dies and like right before he dies he's like remember who you are or something along those lines and then she's like oh my god dude Angelina Jolie crushed it like it because you really actually felt something like if this would have just happened and it wouldn't have been Angelina Jolie acting in the way that she did I wouldn't have felt anything it would have definitely been like you and Peter Parker in Infinity War. Like I would just have been like, oh, okay, he's dead. But like she's like sobbing on top of him and is like, I'll remember, I'll remember. And I was like, fuck. Like <laughs> that got me. I was like, no, <laughs> crying. And like at one point I was like, because we're, we're surrounded in the theater. So I'm like, uh, I'm going to, I don't know if you saw, but I was like, I looked up and like blinked really hard because I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go full-fledged cry. But, like, that caught me. It really did. Angelina Jolie did great. Um, And then what I also felt, like, added to the time aspect of this movie being so long is that you've got to, you've got to, like, tell different stories. I mean, there's ten Eternals. So you kind of have to navigate the movie in a way to where you kind of get everybody's stuff in in a sense so um and I, but I felt like Thena's story arc was also really good it was really cool she had like this uh revenge kind of story arc that was neat because of Gilgamesh's death and like her sh- internal struggle uh and her kind of conquering that um and ultimately killing Crow and like that was such an awesome moment because like at this point Crow is like very powerful he can heal himself and he's absorbed Gilgamesh's power of being super strong so like he's super powerful yeah and so for her to overcome that like that was awesome that was such a cool really quickly she made it look easy yeah yeah like almost too quick I was like wait yeah what just happened (laughs) yeah it it did feel that way but like I said man if they would have done anything else it would have made it so much longer of a movie that you know maybe then I would have felt like a different aspect of time because well, i really didn't feel the time i mean but again there was 
there's a celestial being born. You know, right. It kind of made everything else irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That whole story felt definitely irrelevant because. Like the, like the Shang-Chi thing where it's like, oh, there's going to be a war between these two. Oh, no. Nope. And now there's a dragon. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's a soul eating dragon that's like, flying around. kind of puts their differences aside. And yeah. Usually that's when like the bad guys escape. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my focus is now on this thing. Mm-hmm. But there was no escaping. And yeah, the the culmination of that storyline seemed to like kind of whimper out because of that. Because it's like, oh, there's this other massive yeah. problem in front of you. That's been a common problem in a lot of Marvel movies. But it's because they always have this grand third act. And you can't like mm-hmm. introduce it too soon. But you need a villain for the first couple hours. And sometimes yeah. they run into that issue. But it's not a major problem. It's just uh, it sometimes it can lead to a little bit of a downplay of maybe the uh, villain that you actually were introduced to in the trailer. And so you spent the most time yeah. kind of thinking about them. Right. So yeah, it's an interesting part of this whole, whole aspect, but uh, I think it's pretty cool too. Like, because it's, it's like you have a problem of having too many cool villains. If that makes sense, you know, like when in Shang-Chi, like the dad is such a cool villain. He's such an awesome villain. He's awesome. But, like, he's not the ultimate villain. And same thing here. Like, Crow is actually a pretty cool villain. Like, I know he didn't have too much screen time, and we didn't really get to see him at, like, what he could have been. Yeah. Because, dude, like like I said, man, if he would have absorbed... Uh, I thought he was going to keep going. Yeah. I thought more people were dying. Yeah. Like, if he would have absorbed Athena's power or... Uh, what was oh, the speed girl? The speed girl. What was yeah. name? Uh, it, it started with an M. It. it started with an M. Mech something. She she was, she was didn't get much of a story. She so didn't. She might have a big part in the next film. I hope she does. Makari. Okay. That was her name. Um, That's like the most human name. Yeah. Uh, that's an Macari. app for selling stuff. I went so. to high school with a Macari. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if he would have absorbed her power or, you know, Thena, it, it would have been over, I think, for the Eternals. Like, I don't even think that Icarus could have withstood the power that he would have had and had Crow absorbed one of those two people's powers. Um, Macari was the only one giving it to Icarus, too. He was. There she was. Absolutely. It, that was actually some of the cooler stuff that we saw was Icarus fighting the Eternals. I felt like that was some of the better scenes in the movie. Um, so, um, yeah, but yeah, it definitely was like watered down that story between Thena and Crow, um, which we saw in the, tra- in the final trailer. And like you said, it, you kind of felt like maybe they were doing more with that. But um, when you have the birth of it, like you said, when you have the birth of a celestial happening at the same time that this is going on, like that definitely takes a backseat. But, um, so how did you feel about the story of how the Eternals were going to stop the celestial from being born? Like that whole aspect of it. Like, did it kind of seem... I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, It felt kind of weird to me, but it it was understood. So in the the Marvel game where they just release... It's kind of like action figures. Sometimes they release a character and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, Her basic attack, Cersei, is a snowball. Oh, Um, right. And it was just like, snowball? What what is this, Canada? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What is she? One of the... Um, 
but I guess like ice, you know, um, <sighs> she can conjure up basically, she can turn matter into other things. Mm. And I don't know. It just seems a little silly that ice would be able to stop a celestial, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a little weird. Um, the ability to stop a celestial birth by one putting them back to sleep or you know but but it, they're also working with powers on a level we've never seen before right i don't know there's maybe just like indestructible ice i don't know um it's it's a learning curve and i don't know what's what so i'm willing to let that slide i didn't have a problem with it it was just like it seemed a little bit odd that they were like let's change the weather that'll work <laughs> you know? like, yeah i don't know it, it's just a little a little odd yeah but that's okay uh, it is weird the one thing it is weird is that the celestial is still just chilling yeah in the ocean like he's literally chilling but he's just chilling there. yeah he's chilling in the yeah. ocean <laughs> and i guess she froze him to like earth's core i would suppose so like how does that affect weather geography right on earth right all of a sudden has to adapt to a frozen celestial a, a, a hand coming out of the ocean yeah i don't know kind of strange they, they're they're I, I gotta say this they're pushing themselves into some holes neil degrasse tyson's gonna poke through that this thing they're, oh i'm glad he's gonna field day. He loves this thing stuff, so i'm sure he's all over it yeah um there's some weird gaps in knowledge that they're gonna have to overcome over time if they choose to um spider-man has been the worst offender so far um <laughs> how somehow all of peter's friends escaped and not just friends but like people in his vicinity escaped the uh the blip but oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's little things that are just odd but that's okay and we we let that slide so if, if you're looking at it from a critical eye yeah go for it um but that's not how i operate so, so. no and i think like i said suspension of belief in these kinds of things is ultimately important like you can't go into a superhero movie and expect him to be human you know what i mean like he's a superhero that's the whole premise of a superhero is that he's not human he or she uh like it doesn't matter you know what i mean so but it is an interesting thing like the celestial is still there um i mean one thing that I thought was kind of cool is that like when they're activating and using this hive mind there it's explained that like the celestial actually tapped into that as well. So it's almost as if like while they were tapping into the celestial, maybe the celestial felt something from Cersei and felt like her love of the people of earth because that was her ultimate story too, is that like, Cersei since the beginning basically fell in love with the humans and she was like you know that's why every time you see her interacting with humans she's like helping them garden helping them do this or that and she's very like active and interacting with them and she just loves humans so like my thought process is like maybe the celestial was like you know what all right you guys you guys win you know what I mean? Like, I feel how how strongly you feel for these humans. So, yeah, it, it, it's fine. Because they're, they, they do say that, like, that the Celestial itself tapped into the hive mind with them. 
at the same time. So like, even though it was about to be born, maybe it was like, "Mm, you guys killing me off is okay. (laughs) Like, I'm cool with that. Who says it died though? You know? Yeah. Well, I I think that was the process, right? Because they couldn't put it to sleep. Yeah. I, I, so no, I, I get it. and, And I believe that. But like, and I think that explains so, how it dies is that it was like it tapped into Cersei and was like, oh, there's something bigger here. And maybe this celestial, we don't really know the birthing of celestials and how like how they're working. Because we know them as like sentient beings in a, in a sense and like they have a conscience and like a super hyperactive conscience because of the interactions that we have with Ersham. So it's like maybe they're born with this. So, like, yeah, if they're able to tap into this hive mind and they see how strongly the Eternals are fighting back this thing being born, maybe the Celestial is like, oh, okay, so this planet is worthy of still being alive, basically, and me not ruining it. So, like, let me just die. I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, how it died. I guess maybe it just cut it off from its energy source and since it was like an infant it needed energy to yeah. sustain itself or something. I would assume it's something it's like a combination they, of all do those they things. Grow? <laughs> yeah, do they grow? They come out like smaller. <laughs> I it must be, right? They um, must grow because if it's the size know. of Earth or if it's smaller than Earth. No, it's not. It's actually it's well, it has it's, to be. it's, it's bigger. It's the side of Earth. It's like well, that's what I'm saying. Like it would grow as it expands outside of the yes, planet. but like it's it's growing at a very rapid rate. Yeah, because like fine. we see the we so see like the planet explode and we see the celestial fetal position. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Inside its core yeah. at first. Yeah, so it um, has to be smaller. Right. I, I it see, would yeah. physically have to be, and yeah. then it would grow into whatever it becomes. It's just I guess it's already so big that it's hard to see any, <laughs> any kind of growth. Right. Um, we were robbed of seeing that in a way. Yeah, a baby so. celestial <laughs> having been birthed. Um, yeah, but it, it was a, it was cool seeing all that. That I, I didn't have a problem with it. It, it was just a, uh, a lot. I, I, I would wonder if that's like a future fighting area on top of a celestial or something. That would be really cool. Like if we get like Doctor Doom fighting somebody on top of a celestial in the future, that'd be cool. Well, speaking of Doctor Doom, um, mm-hmm. let's just get into like. What it? What did you take from this movie in terms of impact moving forward, and uh, things that you saw that will help shape the next uh, five years of of Marvel? Well, um, I will say this: like when we leave off, when we close out the movie, Makari, Thena, and Druig are all on the uh, plane or not plane, but like the aircraft or whatever it is. And they have separated themselves from everybody else, all the other Eternals. Uh, Fastos goes back to his uh, boyfriend and son, uh, or husband and son, sorry. Uh, Cersei goes back to the Black Knight. Um, We don't really know as the Black Knight yet, but it was very clear that he was a Black Knight early on. Uh, and then, uh, who else? Sprite actually becomes a human, so she's like no longer an Eternal. Um, and then, 
who would have been the other one that was left alive? Because Icarus flies into the sun and he's dead. Sprite, yeah, totally. Okay. Um, Why did he come? So, guilt. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like it was probably just like the guilt of everything. Uh, Kingo, that was the other one. Maybe he was just very poetic, and he thought, yeah. well, "This is a good way to go out." <laughs> yeah, Icarus. Yeah, um, Kingo is the other one. So Kingo, Fastos, and Cersei are left uh, on in their own places, and like I said, Thena, Druig, and Makari are are gone for the moment. They're looking for other celestial uh, Eternals. That's right. Um, and then. All of a sudden, uh, Erishim comes back and he brings the other three Eternals to his hand Oof. and is like, you guys are coming with me. Um, I think he basically said something along the lines of, like, your memories belong to me and I'll you know return and judge this earth. I don't remember a single thing he said except for I'll come back to judge blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I don't think he took them. He did take him with him. He did? Yeah, because that was the premise when we left off with Black Knight was that, like, Cersei was gone. Oh. So, like, um. Oh, sorry. What I'm thinking of is he left the humans alone. Yes. Because he wanted to see their progress. Yes. Because they were saying these people are special. Just wait. Yes. Which means whatever happens in the MCU in the next five years will have an impact on their judgment. Yes. So what I'm thinking is here, we'll either see uh, the Living Tribunal at some point because it's number one, it's already been teased. And number two, if we're talking about judgment and we're talking about a celestial not really being able to make that choice for itself, then there has to be something above that celestial that tells it what to do in this event. So like... Like, think about it like this. Like, okay, Arishim planted this seed on Earth for another celestial to grow. So that's his creation. And he created the Deviants, realized that there was an issue with the Deviants, so he creates the Eternals, who in turn kill off the Deviants. All because he wants the celestial to be born. But the Eternals then do the exact same thing that the Deviants did in staving off the, the creation of this Celestial. So the Eternals basically are just as at fault as the Deviants. And we already saw how he handled the Deviants. He created the Eternals to deal with that problem. However, all of a sudden, instead of just dealing with the problem, he's like, you guys are going to come with me. I'm going to take your memories and then I'll come back and judge. So it's like, are you really in control then if you are not nipping the bud basically because he's done it in every other sense. So there is something different going on here, which means leads me to think that maybe there is something above the celestials in terms of power over what happens in our multiverse. So like, yeah, the Living Tribunal could be one of those things where you have like this uh, coming together of celestials and the Living Tribunal is casting the ultimate judgment and saying like, oh, okay, yeah, this is right. You do this. And then he goes back to Earth and is like, 
they're fine. Here you go. Whatever. Or the opposite in that like, oh yeah, the eternal stepped out of line. You need to do something about that. That's your creation. So then he comes back and tries to kill off the planet or whatever, destroy the entire galaxy. But yeah, there is some definitely something that's definitely not explained at the moment with that. Um, but I would expect to see the living tribunal at some point, uh, which is kind of weird because we're getting into celestials. We're getting into the living tribunal, possibly Galactus and all this other stuff. We're getting Adam Warlock soon. Kang. We have Kang. These are all things that existed like in the comics universe pre infinity war, infinity gauntlet stuff like that so like we're finally getting all this stuff but it's like post infinity war which is like really weird because like it is but i'm not i'm not complaining in any in any sense but like yeah okay i don't think we're post thanos and we've talked about this before yeah we're not there's they have a good relationship with josh brolin and i think they know the value of thanos that they wiped out all traces of him initially because they knew how powerful it would be to have that story go away. But man, if there's one character they could resurrect, I think it's going to be him. Absolutely. There's so much story left to tell now that they have all these entities in their ownership. So, yeah. And I know you agree because we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's, it's interesting now that we're getting all that stuff and I'm not saying it'll happen. I don't even think it's better than a 50% chance, but I do think, if they feel like there's a story to be told, Thanos is not somebody to write off in history and wouldn't write off him being a anti-hero plus um, right. as a possibility in the future because it would make more sense to bring him back as less of a villain because now we've already seen his villain arc. So I don't know. It may, may happen. And to add to that with the in credit scene, the first one, uh, I mean, it's still relevant. Thanos is still relevant. He was talked about in the movie. Uh, he was proven right. He was proven to be right in the movie, which I think is should not be understated because if it wasn't for Thanos, the emergence would have happened way sooner. Um. So yeah, Thanos Shout was definitely right. God, Thanos, he did <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong. He did Freaking. nothing wrong. Yeah. Um. But uh. And and we get in the end credit scene. We get. A massive reveal, massive reveal. Yeah, I. You know what? I was gonna track this down. I, okay. I forgot that I was gonna do this, but I don't know if I'll be able to find it now because it was not long ago that Harry Styles was announced that he was joining. Not even announced, leaked. Hmm. Yeah, like three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. That's insane. So so that would have been the early screening for the movie, probably. I Perhaps. Yeah. But, like, this, they don't keep these castings very secret. Mm-mm. So, let's see. Revealing Harry Styles is running Marvel. Right. You're so right. 
because when they cast somebody, it's not like they, they cast them and then it's news and then that movie doesn't usually come out for like a year. Right. Or and something they, ca- like that. they usually, we find out so early that nobody really knows when they're coming if it's a surprise. Yeah. So you saw Harry Styles being cast and you're like, okay, that's like two years from now or a year from now. Yeah. And so the funny thing yeah. is, and this article is kind of saying, it says revealing Harry Styles was joining Marvel before Eternals was released was unfair. No. Um, but to that point, the the shock value was lost on me because when I saw the the scene, I didn't, I wasn't like super excited or anything because I had just read this story yeah. that Harry Styles was in the MCU and it was surprising that he was in there. But I was like, yeah, whatever. He's he was just cast. But but then I'm like, wait, he was just cast. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How did that happen? So, um, the the idea of him coming in that soon, I. It just made me wonder when did they film this, and it m- must have been in the last like five months, I would assume. Yeah. And I, I really wish I could watch it back and see the camera angles and see if he was ever actually in the room, in the room with somebody else, right. or if it was just him and CGI Pip. Right. Which is awesome because we now also have Patton Oswalt in the MCU. Is that who does it? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I, we've talked about this before. My favorite Disney movie was Ratatouille. And he is the voice of uh, uh, Remy. So is he? Yeah. So he's um, a good voice. yeah, he's I got an I awesome voice. I hated him in Kings and Queens. Yeah, Kings of King of Queens. King of Queens. Yes. Right there you Jeez. go. Uh, but yeah, we get Eros in the MCU, and honestly, uh, I don't know if you caught this or not, but the women behind us were discussing this in great detail, and yeah, I, I was like, most of what they said. one of them hated it. Uh, all of them except for one hated it they were all like no i do not like this why is harry styles in here and the other one was like good for him and i was like in my head i'm thinking he's eros this is the perfect casting of all time (laughs) like there's not going to be another better person to be to be eros than harry styles i'm sorry but like he's the perfect casting like people that are upset with having harry styles in the mcu i get it he's a super attractive pop star whatever you can feel how you feel about his music but like at the end of the day like harry styles is an awesome awesome casting to be the character eros uh and yeah it it, it kind of goes back to thanos like i don't I, I i we've talked about this before i don't think we're really done with thanos yet uh i think we told one story with him there's potential that he comes back in in other stories i don't think he'd be like an anti-hero if anything i think he'll be worse than what he was it's just not going to be to the scale of what it was like i think he'll be more villainous than he was he's just not going to have the infinity gauntlet that makes him supremely powerful right um but having eros in the mcu is kind of cool uh it's it was a it was a weird reveal because i did not know what they were going for i saw pip the troll and was like what the heck i was actually expecting it to be adam warlock i thought this was where we might see adam warlock the first time more sense than the guy that was casted yeah recently yeah and uh although he was too he was yeah he was casted pretty early too it was like what a month ago two months ago so uh yeah, that was that was an awesome reveal because I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what was going on. I saw Pip the Troll and was like, "Oh my god, Pip the Troll!" Like what? And then he's like revealing this new person, and it's in the darkness. It's kind of like when they uh, did Michael Jordan in Space Jam Two, or whatever, <laughs> and you see the black, like 
hidden silhouette of someone moving towards the thing and you hear the music and he's like Michael Jordan and you're like no way is that actually Michael Jordan and it's Michael B Jordan whatever but like <laughs> you're you, for a minute there you're like wait who is this you know and so that was an awesome awesome in credit scene I loved that one a lot okay I have, a, I have a very 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 important question yes when when Harry was about to when it was about to go off the camera Harry smiled. Yeah. Was that a Jerry Seinfeld smile or did they tell him to smile? Was that Harry Styles going, I'm still new to this acting thing, but I'm so excited to be acting. I can't not smile here. No, I think it was told. Okay. Because, I mean, the Arrow's character is to be appealing. Yeah, you know he's light I mean? and he's, cheery. And, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. He's but a, it looks very seducer. much like Jerry just told a joke he thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, it definitely smiled. did. It definitely you know? did. I, I, I see and that he's also now. got kind of a Joker face. Like Harry yes. does. Yes. So when he smiles, it's like it pops. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got really uh, big cheekbones, deep cheeks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like the, the, the dimples the... are just like <laughs> it, it looks like Willem Dafoe when he smiles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so yeah, that was that was an awesome awesome in credit scene. Um, I, I I I honestly I did not know what to expect when it came to in credit scenes for this movie. Like sometimes you go into a movie and you're like, okay, this could probably be an end credit scene for this movie because it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I had, I had no the, idea what they could do with this one. Well, what's funny is that I had the same thought. I was curious what it was going to be. I was excited to see because I was like, okay, they got to set up another movie or give us something comedy, like some some comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they we got the scene, and I'm like. Well, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> like, cause I, I I know Eros as a character, and I've I've learned a little bit more as I've gone back through like comic videos and stuff. But that meant nothing to me in terms of world building. Yeah, because I'm not there yet. Like, I'm still learning a lot of this stuff. So, yeah. most of these movies and the end credit scenes, I like, I'm like, oh, that impacts this, or this is setting up that, and I'm like. Why is the leprechaun on the screen? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are we doing? Um, but then I was like, what does that set up? You know, and, and if, yeah, what story slash movie are they building towards with that? Maybe not eventually, but like, well, and here's the thing: like Adam Warlock, this is outside of the movie realm. Like it was a James Gunn thing, but he was shown off seven, six years ago now four was it really only four yeah Guardi- oh. guardians 2 was 2017 it was around the same time really? ragnarok came wasn't out. guardians 1 2014 13 or 14 okay so yeah. maybe a year ahead no it was 13 because it came out before <laughs> why did it take four years for a sequel <laughs> it came out before batista came back you're telling me to the wwe it's been it's been that long almost dude. eight years since the first guardians movie yes Absolutely. The heck is going on around here? I know. We need our third. Jeez. I know. Well, Iron Man we're, was in and out in like three, four yeah. years. We're um, we're almost there. We, we got are, another well, year. They just started filming. Yeah. Um, so like literally yesterday. Nice. But uh, I did not see that. Yeah. Um. It's I so know, as far as Eros goes, this is kind of cool because uh, he says he knows what they're looking for, which is other Eternals. Uh, so it's possible that he appealed to. A celestial and that's interesting uh when you look at eros's powers it's not like 
he's not like crazy powerful, but like when you when you're able to like seduce the mind of somebody who's immensely more powerful than you are, that's actually pretty OP. Like in the comics, he's able to stave off Thanos. Like he's able to prevent Thanos from doing more damage because he appeals to his love for Mistress Death and like implants things in his brain. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. And he has to like slow down for a minute. And like even doing that, it prevents something else from happening. So like he's really good at like creating time for other things to happen uh, that benefit him, obviously. But like, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's it's really neat. Uh, I do think it's kind of weird that he's hitting on Thena, who's like his cousin. That's kind of strange. I mean, I get it, but like that's mm. <laughs> uh. So I guess we might get some maybe possible incest in the MCU now, which is kind of gross, but hey, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Eros. plane. Yeah. They <laughs> uh, but this is this is pretty neat. This is awesome. But I feel like Black Panther two. What kind of stuff is that? Yeah. What kind of stuff? Uh. <laughs> uh the second in credit scene, I think, is the one that more people are having a dilemma with. And, uh, like, what was that? Whose voice is that? What the heck is going on? It's a little you know. uh, Dr. Strangey. Yeah, because know. here's the thing. It's never inherently said that the Kit Harrington character is the Black Knight. Well, you just kind of have to know. Movies for everybody to get their name except for Iron Man. Yeah. You just kind of have to know. Like, you see the crest, you see that Cersei gives him a ring, and you see the crest on the ring, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the Black Knight, if you know the comics. But, like, or if you just know the character just a little bit. Uh, we got the teasing of Excalibur, because Thena is, like, wielding Excalibur at some point in the movie, uh, which is a weapon that was used. Um by several different people, I think, in the Marvel comics, but uh, Black Knight used it as well at some point. Then we get the Ebony Blade. And that is... That's where there is some sort of uh, thing going on with people. There's a lot of speculation and stuff. Like, is this the Ebony Blade or is this uh, the All Black? Um, and I don't know... I, to be honest, at the moment, I'm kind of torn between the two. Uh, it makes sense that it's the Ebony Blade because that's his lineage. That's his, you know, that's his sword. But it also had that, like, magical kind of, like, power to it that's kind of, like, weird. And it looked like it wanted to attach him. Yeah, it wanted to attach to him. So it, I can understand how somebody would be like, oh, that could be the All Black. Because we're getting gore in the new Thor movie. Um, and we just got done with Celestials and we know how powerful that sword is. Also, when you take into account that the black Knight character just fell in love with Cersei who got abducted by a Celestial, he's going to want to kill a Celestial. So what better weapon to use than the all black? Um, so yeah, the, uh, it could be the Necro sword. It could be the Ebony blade. Uh, I'm going to lean towards it's the Ebony Blade for one reason. 
I can't, I can't exactly remember what phrase was left on the uh, roof of the of the little box that he opened up and revealed the sword with. It said something like "Death is my something," uh, but I think it was in Latin, which I think kind of points towards vampirism. Which would make sense as to why it's possibly Blade that's talking to him and is like, are you sure you're ready for that? Because it could be one of those things where the Black Knight character has this fire within him to be like, yo, I need to, you know, like, I need to realize what my true power is so I can go save Cersei. But he gets kind of like thrown into that side quest kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, I got to deal with this first and then I'll work on getting to Cersei. Um, and I mean, it's Kit Harrington. If you don't expect him to be in another movie or something like that, you you don't know Kit Harrington. He's a good actor. He's pretty good. So, um, he'll probably have his own movie. Not sure when that'll be, but, um, I'm leaning towards, yes, it's the Ebony Blade and that was Blade that was speaking to him. I was just thinking about what's up. The heck do they call it a symbiote? It's a symbiotic it's relationship. Yeah, that's why. Man, he crawls into people's bodies and kills them. No, that's I not mean, that symbiotic. Yes and no. And he's not really helping old boy either. Yeah, he is. Uh, a venom? In a way. He made him so powerful. And ruins his life. He kind of ruins his life. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the part of the symbiotic relationship. You know what symbiotic means? They both that means live. They both benefit. They both benefit. Yeah. You know what host means? He becomes more powerful. He becomes a better version of himself. Depending it on ruins part. It. It, it ruins certain aspects of his life, sure, because it's not like a human thing. Like he's not able to have that kind of like relationship with his girl anymore, which is heartbreaking. But like, he does become a better detective because of it, and you know. Uh, he realizes some different kind of potential within himself. So, yeah, I, guess. I think it it's seems more parasitic than anything. Kind of. Yeah. He's like, hey, I can't survive without you. And he's like, but I can make you a little taller and a little faster and a little stronger. And you'll never be hungry again. Venom can't survive without Eddie either in a, in a weird way. Because well, like, saying. yeah, they both. So they both benefit. So because no. Eddie is attached to Venom and Venom is attached to Eddie, they both are able to live together. Eddie gets together. very little from this relationship. <laughs> it's not a good deal, huh? No, it's not. It's a bad Venom's payoff. just out here like, I can't survive without you. <laughs> I'll give you some athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't use it for anything. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. That's that's all I could think about when I was looking, seeing that moving water and I thought, this, it looks like a symbiote. And then I go, symbiote? Why do they call it a symbiote anyway? Ah, gotcha. How my brain works. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much um, about Black Knight stuff, but I'm I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I don't Kid's know. Kid's fun. He's a good actor. Yeah. Um Yeah, I got I took pretty much nothing <laughs> from the post-credit scenes. They were fun, they were cool. Uh I am very excited to see where they lead. But uh I yeah, I guess uh right now I was just uh really intrigued by the celestial aspect of things cuz I thought that's the most present um, it's the most prominent threat thing. Yeah. that you know we'll see for the foreseeable future 
um, it's just an exciting thing, celestials in general, because we've only really seen Ego and the other one from Nowhere. We've seen Nowhere. The, That's it. But we haven't really seen that Nowhere. Yeah, there was Yeah, it was just a planet. And uh, and then the the thing with Thor, I forgot what that one was, but oh, um, that's not a. I mean, what what, what it, was, a it was a half celestial, right? The it destroyer, like, yeah, a big, yeah. Because even what's his name, um, Star Lord is like has celestial blood in him. Um, yeah, but because it's of not ego, a true right. celestial. So this was the first visual representation of a fully like a purebred yeah, celestial, absolutely right, and right. the celestial really. Because um, Erisham's the 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 guy that you know makes the rules, right? So yeah, that was really cool, and and Galactus is obviously the one to to follow. Um, I loved that we got the love between Cersei and Icarus, mm-hmm. but the the best love of the movie to me was say his name again, Thena and. Athena and oh, uh, Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Yeah. I was going to say. I, I was like so confused as to who you were talking about. I was like, genius. wait a minute. Are you talking about Fastos and I, his I gotta husband? I multiple, <laughs> multiple times before I can remember, remember names, especially. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought their love was very cool. Me because too. Because it was such a true friend. Um, I will take care of you forever, even if it costs me my own life. Yeah. And Cersei and Icarus is more like the happy nightclub, kind of like like yeah. passionate yeah. love, and theirs was like the extended version. I actually love you, right? Yeah, like I care about you. Yeah, because Icarus um, leaves. I mean, Icarus. Yeah, <laughs> 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 seven thousand years <laughs> later, but he <laughs> eventually leaves. <laughs> the, the honeymoon um, stage is over after five thousand years. Right, he's tired. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm tired yeah, of this, Grandpa. Just stayed by your side and said, "I will let you keep your memories because that's your personality, yeah. and I will guard those memories forever to make sure that it doesn't cost you your or my life." That's why it was so sad, man. So it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, so sad. I I liked that some people died. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't too sad to me, just because they still, you know, it takes a while to get to really know these people. And yeah took like 10 movies to get to know like loki and um iron man all these people that you know prolific um avengers that ultimately had to to go we're uh, still learning about peter parker yeah and so. and so it was i was glad that they didn't just like keep everybody alive because you don't need once you have your first movie you introduce everybody then you go into your next movies you, it's like the first draft second draft you kind of whittle things down and they have the people that they feel comfortable with moving forward. Uh, it's cool that they kept Angelino around because, you know, it's, it's a big, big get nonetheless. Um, Salma, which she was staying around too. Love Salma Hayek. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's she's not, however. They did reference her twice in posthumously, uh, you know, with uh, replay, <laughs> instant replay, whatever <laughs> instant call it, replay. from uh, Sprite. Yeah. And uh, also like a mind meld too. Mm. So I, I'm very intrigued to see how they move forward with this. I, I wonder if there's going to be any Eternals too, or if it's just going to be the Eternals within another movie. I have no clue, but it did say at the end of the movie that Eternals will return. Yeah. So which I, I don't know why they need to feel the need to say that at this point. Like what is 
is a one-off a spin-off like what do you, what do you think <laughs> yeah. we think this is Feige, yeah. you know yeah but it's interesting to see where this this goes from here and there's some overlapping i mean by far this has the most overlap with guardians of the galaxy um like by far and then the rest of it we're just going to kind of figure it out because now we got we've gone from like a war company with the stark industries all the way to like celestials in 13 years mm-hmm. look how far we've come and we're come a long way literally going twice as fast right now yeah as before so imagine where we'll be in another 10 years mm-hmm. i have no clue what i think is interesting about this movie too like you said we've lost a few people along the way in this movie but like there were 10 eternals when we started 10 characters that we were introduced to and we have now six of them left, but we also added Black Knight into this whole situation. Situation, So we're leaving with basically seven new characters to uh, be in the MCU. And essentially uh, three of them are going to probably have their own movie. The other three are going to be in that movie, but probably not have a big massive role in it. Um, and then... You're going to have another character that's getting probably his own movie or his own show at some point. So, like, there is a lot happening from this movie. Like, a lot more than I think we even think about right now. Because, yeah, we're probably going to get, like, another Eternals movie. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to get a Black Knight movie or show. Uh, He's probably going to have some kind of overlap in the Blade show or movie, whichever. So, so, like, yeah, there's going to be a lot going on. And... The implications going forward. I mean, I mean, we're like you said, we're getting into the celestials now. We're uh, we're in we're in space a lot more than we ever were. Um, the beginning, so you're always gonna have uh, you're always gonna have some kind of speculation of like when is Galactus coming? When is Doctor Doom coming? When is you know insert other character here? <laughs> High evolutionary. Uh, whoever else man like you're gonna get into a lot of stuff we still I mean it was a I, I think it was a throwaway line but I mean it could not it there's you never know with Marvel I mean you had that line from WandaVision where they're talking about the sword stuff and they're like oh we had a mission in space but like it didn't go properly so it's like okay well who was involved in that you know what I mean is this the Fantastic Four is this the X-Men is this how Jean Grey gets you know, is this the introduction of the Phoenix Force in the MCU? Like, what is this? You know, um, and I, I think when I was when we were leaving the theaters, I felt like the Eternals could be one of those links that leads to the X Men, and that that's a possibility as well. So, like, there's a lot of implications actually leaving leaving this movie. So, with that being said, uh, I thought this was a good movie. I thought this was a really good movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of good times with it. Um, I felt a lot of different emotions. I was happy. I was confused at some point. Uh, but I was also... Um, I felt very, like, big sense of, like, pain and sadness. Um, and awe. So, like, it, it, I was on all over different types of the emotional spectrum through the movie. So I think that that's a good thing. 
yeah i i guess in in totality it was a it was a a fun movie and we're at the point where all these movies are going to introduce us into something something new um i can't think of any upcoming movies right now that isn't diving into something that we haven't seen before Mm -hmm. you know and so that's exciting um thor is getting us into some really powerful you know god hunters and mythology that Mm -hmm. we haven't uh, broached yet and spider-man's getting us into alternate realities uh that will take us into Doctor Strange, which will be an extension of, of that story, which I'm sure is going to get even even bigger, and that spider web's going to continue to grow, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, everything we see moving forward is going to set some new standard that we're just going to have to get used to. Yeah, and that's really exciting. So I liked it. Uh, have fun with it. It was a good time, and not every movie has to be like mind blowing. No, know? so like. It's almost nice when you get kind of a breather to set the table, because um, you can't have every every movie be a Super Bowl. You gotta have some games that'll get you up to it. And this was one of those where it's like they gave us a new character. They like you know a lot of new characters, but metaphorically, they set up another thing, another storyline, another possibility. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get this paid off one day. And we're going to remember and we're going to look back and go, oh, my God, look, look at that. That moment we underestimated. Yep. I think this is going to be one of those movies where you go, wow, look at all that sparked um, from this film. And I'm excited to see five, seven years down the road. Look at all that we saw at that moment and maybe didn't see it yet, but eventually will. Yeah, I know. It's going to be crazy. There's probably some like still of this movie that like is you know got something in it that we just completely were oblivious to and we're like oh my gosh you know five years from now like oh my gosh that was this character and we just didn't know it you know like that's it's so crazy how this universe works um i think now we're kind of left with what's what's in the immediate future so in the immediate future we have hawkeye Coming up next, which will be a, from what I understood, six episodes uh, starting probably in a couple of weeks, I would imagine. It's like mid to late November. We'll cover um, those weekly. Yep. And then uh, that will actually, actually, and I think it's actually perfect timing that that'll set up straight into the Spider-Man movie. December. Which is December. 18th? Something like 15th, that. 17th? Yeah something tamed. yeah so we will be we'll have those we we i to my understanding the other movies got pushed back yeah like dr strange and all of those the thor movie got pushed back so right. maybe she uh, hulk maybe she hulk um uh, sure. not yeah and probably moon knight as well because i feel like she hulk was expected to be released like early 2022 and like Moon Knight was like mid twenty twenty two. We'll see. So, we'll double check that. Yeah, we'll double check. But uh in the immediate future, we got Hawkeye to look forward to now. Um, which will be fun. I'm sure it'll be interesting seeing Haley Steinfeld <laughs> in a in a prominent role now in the MCU. It's gonna be fun. Uh yeah, before long we're gonna get Avengers the musical. Yeah. All these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. 
That's a joke, by the way, everybody. You don't, know, don't worry about it. Eros and Eros and Hawkeye doing yeah. a duet. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so, but yeah, this was a this was a fun time. We haven't done this yeah. in a while. No, it feels it's weird. Good, dude. It's good to get back on the mic on the yeah. track. Yeah, a little DJ. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us for this. Uh, getting back to kind of the basics here, we we will be getting into deeper coverage of Hawkeye. Um, what if, unfortunately, kind of fell into the the travel portion of my schedule. Um, we are gonna check out um some of the later episodes of What If, and oh, I think yeah. we'll, we'll probably do a catch all episode pretty soon, and maybe just add that to a preview of Spider Man because we're gonna. I think it's if it's not a Hawkeye um, episode, it's probably going to be a Spider-Man episode for the next month. It's just so important, and there's so many things going on. So I can't wait to get into that. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you so much. Uh, check out our Facebook page, The Marvel Guys Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. We're going to make sure we get this engine uh, going at high speed. And please do talk to us when you can. We'd love to hear feedback. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode today and we will back be back. Mm. We'll be back. We'll be back. Very right. soon. Yeah, the Eternals will return <laughs> and the Marvel, the Marvel guys, guys will podcast will return. Absolutely. Yeah. See you guys. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>